You're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast, hosted by Zach Bechtold and Matt Franks. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and check us out online at beardedtheologians.com. Listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast hosted by Matt Franks and Zach Bechtold. And today we have a very special guest, uh, a friend of mine and colleague here in Montana. Uh, we have uh, the Reverend Melissa Engel with us today to, to share with us about some cool things that she's doing and has been a part of. So, Melissa, thank you for, for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Certainly. Tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from, you know, what you like to drink in your coffee cup. I don't know, anything. Oh, yeah. So first of all, I don't drink coffee. I drink chai. <laughs> That's a, that is a fair that is that is a fair a fair thing. I like chai. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and and tea in general. But so my name is Melissa Engel, and I am originally from Illinois. And you can see in my journals dating from way back that I've always felt called out west, and so here I am. Um, I went to the Isle of School of Theology and got my Master's of Divinity uh, graduating in 2015. And I uh, took a little side adventure to Alaska and it was only supposed to be for a year and I was there for four years serving um, as the director of a cooperative youth ministry in Juneau and then um, I got appointed for two years to one of those churches. To serve as the pastor. And so now I'm down here in year two of my appointment to Butte Aldersgate United Methodist Church. And uh, my husband's name is Michael, and he's an activities director for um, Big Sky Senior Living, and he's amazing over there. And then uh, my daughter Sophia is 21 months old. Oh, and so she's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. So you had um, you had a part in um, uh, We Pray With Her, uh, the new book that has come out. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, so this book is all, it's, it's for all women who lead, which I really love. I mean, it's encouragement. And it started out, we had been writing devotions um, for the presidential candidate, Hillary Clinton, because she's a United Methodist female. And so uh, the United Methodist Young Clergy Women felt a particular call to provide devotions and prayers for her throughout the election process. And just to keep her grounded in who she is as a Methodist and as a Christian and as a woman. And so uh, we, we did that. And then it became clear that we wanted to do something more in general for, for women. And so we were asked um, through the United Methodist Young Clergy Women Group to provide devotions and prayers, and we could choose uh, a scripture and write on that. And then we could also, uh, in in the context, there's a few different um, headings that these devotions and prayers fall under, and they're, they're call, struggle, courage, resistance and persistence and i think those were particularly chosen because those are themes we see throughout the bible but also themes in our own lives and things that we felt were needed at such a time as this and so um 
like in particular, I wrote a, a prayer that's included in struggle. And then uh, my devotion is included in the courage section. Uh, and so that's a little bit about that. A lot, all the proceeds um, are now going to women applying to seminary for all uh, scholarships for women. So um, as you, I, I've never written a book, but I've heard about people who have written books and we've had people have written books on the show and they've talked about the, the process of that. Um, how was the process of this, uh, given the fact that there are many authors and it's not just like, like, what did you experience, I guess, throughout that process of, of putting the book together? Right. So I wasn't a part of the editorial team, but our editorial team was great. And they, when they collected our devotions and prayers, they were very clear about, uh, you know, the parameters and they tried to communicate as clearly as they could. And so we submitted our things, our devotions and prayers, and then they were able to come together as a team. And they were very uh, transparent about it and would post pictures and things. And um, they edited those and then submitted them um, to Abington Press and then it was released. So it was all kind of, it, I felt like it was a very transparent process and, and very collaborative. So what I would really like about it, so because it is such a, it, I mean, it's a huge group of people, um, of women who who are who wrote these devotions and prayers and things, and uh, you know, I saw it on your Facebook come up, and you're holding the book with your your in your profile picture, but I saw several of those uh, from from friends of mine all across, uh, you know, the country, and uh, and then I saw an outpouring of people I know and people I didn't know of. Oh, I'm gonna go buy that book. Oh, I'm gonna go buy it. You know, I can't wait to read this, and that's huge, um, especially especially in the in the in the social climate that we live in today. Um, women finding voice, one in in society, but in the church as well, is huge. And for such an outpouring of that, just makes my heart happy, uh, and it makes me want to go buy. A copy for all of my kids so that they have it and can see that example uh, both my daughters and my son to say hey women are, are leading they this is this is what this is right um, and and to have that example for all three of them to fall into and uh, I, I, I've loved watching people just pour out on this and and just the support not only for you ladies but for those who are coming up and for those who are finding their voice. And so, so what's it like to be a part of that? Cause I know you've experienced a little bit of that and seen some of that too. Yeah, it's exciting and it's encouraging uh, to see women lifted up and, and to encourage, to see women encouraging women because often we can get into that space where um, it's competitive and mm -hmm. just feels a lot more, cooperative and encouraging. Yeah, absolutely. So, so when you, when you sat down to write um, your pieces through struggle and courage, um, I guess what, what were your motivators? I mean, where, where, where were you at in your headspace there? Yeah. So um, for, for the devotion I wrote, I wrote it on Joshua chapter two, verses 12 through 13. And I 
was really focusing on liberating Rahab because so often she is <clears throat> just titled the the prost Rahab the prostitute and it even calls her that later in the New Testament and um and so I wanted to uh take away that quote that the prostitute part and and see how big of a part she played in the narrative of Israel and and what was so interesting I I had the opportunity to go on pilgrimage to Israel and Palestine in back in February hmm. and I was in Jericho and Jericho is known as the oldest city in the world city upon city upon city you can see the layers and I asked is there any thing is there any statue or or little shrine or something to Rahab here and they said unfortunately no and and I felt I felt the whispers and the gratitude from her spirit there like I just felt like that I even said her name it was enough and and so I I wanted to say her name right. and I really lift her up and then see what she gives. And, and she gives courage. She stood up, she used her voice. You know, they, the nation of Israel needed something. They asked for a favor and then she was like, well, I'm not just going to give you a favor. I'm going to negotiate and save my family's life. And, and, and she did like, she's the whole reason why israel survived and yeah. were able to flourish and so that was the devotion part and then the the prayer i wrote was specifically um speaking to my experience as a mother um and it's a prayer for the end of breastfeeding and it's specifically for the unplanned end mm. and i don't I'm still not finished, and so I don't know if it's going to be planned or unplanned. I'm thinking it's going to have to be planned at this point. Right. <laughs> but I put myself in that space of what would it be like to not know mm -hmm. that it's coming to an end? And what is it like for women who try and don't know? And, mm -hmm. and so just thinking about that experience of being latched and unlatched and then how that relates to um our relationship with god being latched and unlatched those seasons when we feel really connected and those other seasons where maybe we don't feel so connected those were my motivators yeah that's beautiful so i i know the i know the book's been out for a little while um uh as as you've read through it um is there any other ones that kind of like stick to you or like ones that you oh. like like, like, is there like one or two that maybe you could like, just like, man, this is like one that everybody needs to read. That, uh, I mean, I, you, I, I, from what I understand, and I haven't picked up a copy of the book yet. Um, it's on my, it's in my want to buy list when I have money um, thing. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I know that like when I have a devotional book, there's usually like two or three that are like, man, you got to read this and like read the whole book, but I really want you to read these two. Are there like, 
I mean, you can say yours. Like, uh, I mean, have no, no, have no shame in in your game. Um, but are, are there like you know two or three that we could recommend, or like you could recommend for people that are listening to as they're picking up this book to um, to, to to look at? Yeah, I mean, and this is such a, it it's just a little phrase of a prayer, but it's called a prayer for when you just can't, mm-hmm. and it's in the struggle section, and and that's so. That's so beautiful to know that, to even know that other people can't at times, that solidarity is mm-hmm. in knowing that you're not alone in not being able to right now um, is really powerful. And I would just say, just think about where you are currently and then turn to that section and see what's speaking um, because there are devotions in here that are quotes from women um past and present and um there's and scriptures and so i would just say really notice where you are right now because i think that's what's going to speak to you best um because i know i i've really been digging into call and persistence lately and and that's been really helpful to me you know something uh something that you touched on um <clears throat> you know this going going to Jericho and just speaking Rahab's name right um in in speaking a person's a woman's name who has 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 maybe earned or unearned a bad reputation right that that we don't let that part go that we don't see beyond that. We do it with countless people, especially in scripture. Thomas gets it, you know, uh, just, you know, we, they get that Rahab, the prostitute, Thomas, the doubter, right? And we can't let that go. We can't see past that. And yet there's so much good, right? There, there's so much more than that little thing. And then we look around a world and look around the people um, that are around us and we do the very same thing, Right. We look at that person over there uh, across the grocery store and, and it's that one thing that they did that one time, right? Or that one thing we know about them. And yet they have this much bigger story. And, and I love that you write about that and, and, what, and, and name that so that we can, in, in, in what I understand, we, we can then take that and go look around the people and say, well, you're not that one thing. You don't have to be that one thing. You can break out of that cycle. You can change that narrative. People, you don't have to live into that to what people say that you are. Um, uh, or at least if they believe it, you don't have to, right? And, and I, love, I love that you simply just wanted to speak her name, to say it, just, just Rahab, and, and, and feel that whisper and that power that that has in those moments, in that holy place, right? Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot of what we, I think we can do that day to day when we see people in, in simply saying their name, right? And not what we think they're doing or what we think their sin is or their, their hang up or whatever, right? Um, I think there's a lot of power in that. There is. And I'm just thinking now about Matthew 1 and the genealogy of Jesus mm-hmm. and how Rahab is in that. And right. that's so neat. Like, And so what does that mean that she's one of, you know, his ancestors, right. and that there's a Messiah in her family tree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's actually, like, my friend Sarah Beck, 
and I have been writing a worship series for Advent all about that leading up to there's five women and you can see four Sundays of Advent and Christmas Eve and and saying what does that mean and and how are we rooted how are we rooted in that family tree that has these women in them with these kind of hard harder stories to deal with that a lot of people just kind of skip over right for the most part well and, and when you when you you know i had that thought when before you brought that up i had that thought back to the genealogy and how do i present that and when you come to the women they always have and well and they were something right rahab was a prostitute mary was kind of, you know it, it's it's always something it's and you never get that with the men in the line it's just yeah. it, unless it was david david was king you know, that kind of thing, but everybody else, but you get to the women and it's, well, the women were this, you know, they don't really belong here. There's right. still that, that mansplaining of it, right? Because <laughs> that's they, what it is. They don't even name Bathsheba. In right. the genealogy, they call her the wife of Uriah. Right, so right. No, they don't say that part. <laughs> <laughs> no. Right, and, and, and so there's, there's so much there that we just we explain away or we don't want to name uh, or we want to, we want it to live into this. So it has a different meaning. It's not as special. Right. Uh, and that sucks. We got to change that. <laughs> so. We need to learn how to tell the story differently. Right. And just right. Listen to the characters through. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think, I mean, I don't know, as I was thinking about it, you know, um, like so, we're getting ready. the book. The book of Ruth is coming up in the lectionary. Um, uh, so it's Job. Yeah, it's Job the week off, and then Ruth. I think. I think that's the way that it works. I'm I'm processing it in my head because I've been on this Old Testament kick in, in my current church, and so um, I, when I saw that I when I saw that the book of Ruth was coming up in the lectionary, I was like, man, we gotta preach this. Like, I don't care what people say. Like, I don't care how like people respond to it like this is something that we've got to share and i've been wrestling with how do we handle this mm -hmm. especially with all that's gone on um and it's going on and will continue to go on um mm -hmm. and how do i not um mansplain it and just like like you know so I, i've really been wrestling with that and i'm like i've i reached a point the other day that when i was looking at things for the future and it's like man do i really want to like <laughs> i'm really struggling with this because i don't want um you know, I want my daughters to be able to hear this and hear, you know, the inspiration that can come out of that. And like, I want them mm -hmm. to see that, that there's a reason why this is here, like in our scriptures and why it's there and why it's huge that it's there. Um, but I also want them to like, I want them to feel a connection um, to scripture. And that's kind of hard given the context of the larger story. Um, and, you know, that's something I think, in, especially in the last years I've noticed, like with me, I'm really reeling back at what I normally do and really think, asking myself, how, how, how does this speak to my, 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 my two daughters? Uh, mm. My wife will tell me cause she's just, she's, she's <laughs> that strong theologically. She has no problem pushing me on that. And I've sure. really appreciated her on that. Um, but I want to be able to explain it to my daughters that can live into this new reality of that. Um, and it was always there, but I think it's more of a reality now that women actually do have a lot more power. Um, than we were ever willing to give them credit for. Um, and so I want them to have that power. Like I want them to not feel ashamed 
about exerting themselves uh, in public spaces. And so, and teaching them safe and healthy boundaries and all those things too. But, um, and yeah. yeah, I mean, and, and so I guess what I'm trying to get at here is, um, you know, any advice for us dudes? Cause you know, you're on the bearded <laughs> theologian uh, <laughs> podcast and, um, you know, we, we really try to be, I mean, I, I think we try to be, I mean, I think we are as best as we can. Um, I mean, I know we fall short cause we're still learning. Um, but is there anything you like, I mean, you'd recommend, <laughs> I, mean, the I best, mean, the best thing you can do is let Ruth speak for herself mm-hmm. um, through the text mm-hmm. and, and to lift her up and not mansplain her or, or try to put her in her place. Um, mm-hmm she she had quite a bit of power um a lot of the women did and it's really interesting even looking at the first century christians it's like who ran the house the women did and so they were the ones in charge of the church like it and and it's so funny like like the the followers of christ i mean like those women who just dropped everything and went like once mary of magdala was um freed from those unclean spirits some other women were too and they started following they just left everything and followed right and so lift just lifting them up and and not just skipping that part of the lectionary or or the harder the harder text like and i know you're working on ruth but like like tamar what -hmm. happened with her and um some of the other women who just kind of glazed over Right. You know, um, <laughs> you, you, you say that back in the day, it was women who ran the church. It's still that way. I, I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. Let's look out at our congregations. Well, There's typically, well, and I think far like, more women than there are men. <laughs> so, so one of the things, like, I mean, one of the things I always kind of, that blew my mind, like, and so understand, I didn't grow up like as a cradled Methodist that like my mom and dad were grooming me to be a Methodist pastor because of some Methodist pastor in their family. You know, I, I was not groomed for this. Um, it found me um, and, or it called me, I guess is the way I like to think about it is that it called me. But, you know, one of the things that blew my mind when I first started going to church as a teenager was that like, um, is that I would attend church with other friends, other denominations with friends, but in the Methodist church, it seemed like women were a little bit more regarded in their leadership. And I had never met a woman pastor at that point. It was a few more years before I had a woman clergy in my presence to understand like, wow, like this is awesome. Like I didn't realize how, I didn't realize how uh, bad that was in other circles. And, um, and so I just thought it was just the norm that women were in charge. Like I didn't, I did not know until, you know, I, I had met a woman clergy who told me about her struggles that I really began thinking about how, um, when I'm in position of, when I'm in position anywhere is how do I treat women and how, um, how can I, you know, allow them to, to lead and not me try not to take over all the time. And so I, I try to be sensitive to that, um, and sometimes, you know, it's like any situation, if it's a bad leader, we, you know, I, I do the same thing that women I would do to men. I try to anyways, um, if they're not leading, I mean, I really try to, I'm more, I think I'm harder on men in some ways, um, mm-hmm. verbally, because I think that they should do better, but that's just, I don't know. I try anyways. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so I think, I think you get some good lights and some, um, 
insights um, for us to, to ponder about. Like, you, you know, you said, what about the other women? And like, man, now I need to go back and look at that again right. and see, right. like, what can I draw? Like, what can come out of that? Uh, <laughs> thanks for that. Uh, I needed that. Um, and so you've already inspired me anyways. Um, right. Thanks. I needed that. Uh, is there any, is there anything else yeah. you'd like to share with us, Melissa? Any, it just anything. We'll go anywhere on this podcast. No? <laughs> um, I guess just, I mean, first of all, thanks for developing that awareness in yourselves and asking those important questions and just continuing to, and then bringing it into the meeting space or, or even saying, I've noticed that, you know, a few people have been speaking and I'm talking like men and women or beyond that, right? Um, who, who isn't speaking and, and then even just noticing who isn't in the room mm. and asking that question. So yeah. just developing that, continuing to develop that awareness. Right. Um, and, and the same thing in the text. And that's what like, I'm really into the Harry Potter and the sacred text podcast right now. And what they do, they, they really dig into it and they have sacred practices of looking at the text and and I am just, they have been helping me notice things, um, not just um, in a literary way, but in a, in a good, like developing our awareness kind of way of who's there, who's not there, what's really happening here. Mm. And, um, and I'm bringing that into my own practices of um, reading the Bible. Yeah. So, it's been really important for me, and I think I can do even a better job at, at bringing that into meeting spaces and worship, and just be careful when you start doing it in worship, because I tried it recently, <laughs> and lifted up a voice that people aren't used to, and right. things kind of uh, went crazy a little bit, but we're, you know, we're sorting it out, and it's, right. okay. Well, like, it's okay to be uncomfortable, and that's like, People aren't okay with that though, because people, I, and maybe I'm making a huge blanket statement here, but I hear a lot, I come to church to be lifted up. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, yes. And like, I remember that day I felt challenged. I felt convicted. I right. felt ready to be a Christ follower. And, and then people's, reactions or, or you know to to what was presented it was kind of like oh my gosh this is not why I come to church I do right. not like this is that so that prophetic piece kind of gets lost and so just discerning how and when to do it well and I think that that's, well I think that that's the struggle it's like we have this misconception of like we want the church to make us feel good and so like we we don't want to be pushed and challenged you know that's what that's what small groups are for but nobody goes to small groups right, right. <laughs> um, um and i think like i've thought about that a lot in worship you know as, as our congregation has been pushing me to you know reach out make sure that we reach out and connect to our college and so part of my deal has been so when was the last time we had someone younger than me be on the stage you know and and you know just letting them read the liturgy that's that's huge and so we've you know we're trying to develop ways that we can make sure that everybody feels like like in our community that we can give voice to those people that are in our community um, and that takes baby steps like yeah I would never like that's 
I mean, if you want people really mad at you and if you want your inbox, uh, but it's also, it ends up then being a pastoral care thing mm-hmm. that you right. get to, to handle, um, which can be even healthier for the congregation than just like saying, no, it's my way or it's no way. It, it, yeah. and it's, like dropping the bomb and walking away. It's, yeah. it's like, all right, now let's work through this. Let's, yeah, let's work through this. Yeah. Well, it's the opportunity for conversation to say, hey, I don't expect you to like everything I say. I expect you to think, you know, mm-hmm. to be pushed a little bit. And, and you know, I'm clear with, I'm up front with my church's look when we read scripture, especially the gospels, but everything, if it doesn't make you uncomfortable, go read it again, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because it will, it should. <laughs> and if it doesn't, go back to it, go again. Yeah, and if Jesus isn't turning your normal upside down, like, I don't know if right. they're reading it right. Right, yeah. Exactly. Well, Melissa, we, we want to thank you for coming on, uh, for sharing your heart with us, for sharing your passion, um, and sharing a little bit about the book. Yeah, hold the book up um, for, for those people who watch us. Um, the book is called We Pray With Her. Um, you can find it wherever you buy your books, um, anywhere. And uh, if you're in Montana, if you're in Butte, Montana, especially, Melissa will sign it for you. She'll sign her pages. Uh, I will make that commitment for her. Uh, <laughs> and if you're anywhere near me, I'll sign her name to it. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, that's not right, Zach. That's not right. You need to let her sign her own name. She can that's sign right. her own name. I'll sign my name to her page. <laughs> so he, here's something I've been struggling with. And, and now that you're actually an author, you can try to answer this question. Because I tend to ask this to most of my author friends. How do you sign digital books? <laughs> <laughs> you take a sharpie to the ipad <laughs> i don't know i haven't had that challenge yet like when i thought about start doing and this is this is more just tongue-in-cheek this isn't like a i'm like i will do this when i see adam hamilton this week um uh like handing him my apple uh pen and then on a notebook you know <laughs> like i'm just signing like look i have a signature digitally <laughs> i think that might be a little bit too weird but do it yeah. <laughs> it might work that way like how we have to sign things for like, like, credit cards and stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who knows? i always i always write john 316 on those <laughs> <laughs> because one time one time we had a um i know we're like way off topic but that's fine this is our podcast we can do what we want um uh there was one time someone had stolen our debit card and so i was like so what did they sign like well they signed your name I'm like well i never signed my name i signed john 316 <laughs> and they're like really i'm like yeah so i showed them all these statements that had my signature on it and like oh well yeah obviously somebody stole your credit your, your debit card like yep somebody did. um so you say um you know um we thank you for your time um and um uh, we encourage you, and we'll actually have this in our um, podcasting listing. We'll probably put a link to um, probably Cokesbury since they're our sponsor, not sponsor. Um, so people can buy it there. Or they can go look at Amazon and, and buy it there as well. Um, and and so, you know, we want to thank our listeners for listening. And we want to thank for Melissa for coming on and, and spending time with us today. Um, and um, so go on our website, beardedtheologians.com, and look for all of our stuff. And we've got stickers. uh got some really great blog posts coming up and on uh the last few weeks and so uh so for the beard of theologians i'm matt franks i'm zach bechtold thanks for checking us out
We hope you've enjoyed the conversations that we've had today on the Bearded Theologians Beardcast, and we'd encourage you to continue those conversations online at beardedtheologians.com or on our Facebook page. We also hope that you pick up a couple of coffee mugs to uh, satisfy your coffee mug collection. Have a good day.